Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and welcome to Raw, the fight within a brand new podcast series hosted by me, Coogan Cassius. Over the course of the series, I'll be sitting down with some of the most high-profile figures from the world of boxing, including fighters, trainers and promoters, in order to dig a little deeper and understand their own personal stories. This podcast is about much more than simply what happens inside the ring. It's about the journey, the sacrifices, the agony, the ecstasy, the highs, the lows, the tears and the fears. It's about getting to know the person. Thank you for tuning in. And I really hope you enjoy it. If you do, be sure to like, comment and subscribe. This podcast is suitable for over 18s only, as it may contain adult content and explicit language. Okay, um, delighted to welcome Ebony Bridges to uh, my podcast. Uh, Ebony, listen, we all know what you've achieved inside the ring so far. And we've heard the insights of your training, your life as a fighter. But now we want to get to know who you are outside of the ring, the battles and the scars you carry with you every day, the stories that will truly inspire and give fight fans the opportunity to see a side that they may or may have not seen before. Today isn't about you as a fighter, it's about you as a person. Are you all right with that? Oh, I'm okay with that. I'm okay. God. Let's get the tissues. No. (laughs) Not yet, not yet. I'm going to uh, ease you in slowly into this. Um... Because I think with yourself, people kind of, the majority of people, I know you've done a few podcasts, mm. etc., kind of talking about stuff from uh, your past and kind of how you've got to where you are now. But I think for myself, it's like every week or every time there's a fight, it's the same questions. You mm. could almost predict the questions I'm going yeah. to ask you to a certain uh, extent so this is going to be a little bit different we're going to start easy and we're going to try and work our way in are you are you good with that i'm good let's see how we go see where this takes us absolutely um ebony what what's your first memory of boxing do you remember your first memory of boxing the first time kind of it ever played any kind of image in your mind um, probably just watching um, Costa Zoo when I was in my teens. I think boxing in particular. Um, I was a, I was a big fan of just combat sports, so I always loved watching um, kickboxing, boxing, um, all the action movies. You know, Steven Seagal, Van Damme, huge Van Damme fan. But yeah, I would say probably growing up with Costa Zoo um, would be my first memory of boxing, and then from that. Do you remember the first fight you went to? Like where you were like physically there as opposed to like watching it on TV or anything. Just the first fight you were physically at. Oh, physically. Oh, as a boxing fight. Um, Oh my God, it was a mundane fight. Um, Mundane. uh, Was it mundane? It was mundane. I think it was a mundane fight. But then I'm having memories of a fight when Roy Jones came over as well and he broke, and he hurt his back. So, yeah, I mean, it was a, a while ago, probably like my late teens. Okay, okay. So you talk about Costa Zoo there, but do you remember kind of, is that the first fighter that you kind of watched and yeah. kind of, there's always, everyone has some okay. some fighter that they've always watched. For me, it was Nassim Hamid, the first yeah. fighter that I kind of took notice of and, for yourself, would you say it was Costa Zoo that kind of got your interest into boxing as the first person in boxing as a boxer that you took interest in? I would say Costa Zoo and Mike Tyson. Um, would have to say both of them. Obviously, Costa Zoo, because he was Australian or Russian-Australian, and there was a lot of promotion around Costa Zoo in Australia. And I, um, so, you know, I was, we were, because back then we didn't have, like, what we have now with the streaming and stuff. Do you know what I mean? So it was all that was on TV. Um... Otherwise, it was like just um, tapes or CDs from friends that had 
you know, um, boxing fights that I'd watch, like the old boxing fights on CDs. So, yeah. But um, You're really showing our age now. I because <laughs> I had, like, DVDs. I remember once, uh, very, like, from my friend, DVDs, had, like, a stack of, like, those DVDs and, the, you know, thing, all boxing fights, and I just used to watch them, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, yeah, showing our age. Yeah, otherwise, yeah, it wasn't much. I don't remember seeing, like, a lot of the big fights on TV outside of Australia, um, just mainly tapes and stuff and tapes. V- VHS. VHS, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. There's people watching this going, what's, what's that? Are Googling what VHS is right now. Absolutely. Tapes. What's a tape? Yeah. No, but, yeah, so, um, and that kind of, kind of from there, I suppose. Because now it's quite easy for people to, to get into boxing and kind of watch these interviews that I do or whoever else does and kind of get to know fighters but back then like we're talking like 15 however many years ago it was 20 years ago yeah like 20 years ago I remember being like 15 watching on DVDs with my boyfriend because he was into boxing as well um watching with his dad and stuff like just video like DVDs VHS VHS (laughs) yeah yeah so and also stuff on TV you know Fox so I've still got some VHSs yeah yeah, I have, yeah. There's some stuff I have got on VHS, yeah, like boxing things, because that's how, if you wanted to tape something or record something, that's how you did it. Yeah, look, my memories of my teens weren't great, so, I mean, <laughs> I can't remember fucking most days, but um, I do remember those glimpses of things, like, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so, look, if you were to start your own fight club, so this is my my interpretation of of this right so if you were to start your own fight club right and you were to pick a team yeah of you and four other people four. okay so it's you plus four so i want one for the ring like in the ring oh, like a fighter. yeah so you're you're basically assembling a fight team team okay like yeah your own fight club okay right so you're going to pick one for the ring but then you're going to pick one for the street Okay. Okay. It could be anyone. You can use literally, don't even have to use boxers. You can use absolutely anyone. Jake Paul. <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. Um. In the ring. You can tag, by the way. It's my game, so I can make the fucking rules up. Tom. So you can okay. tag. You can tag them in if you need them. Oh, okay. It's like a five on five okay. situation. Oh, okay. Mike Tyson. All right. Yep. Okay. <laughs> He's a psycho. Yeah. That's Ebony. That's Ebony, Mike Tyson. Yeah. Yep. Who else? In the ring. Oh, in the ring. Yeah, in the ring. Jose Chavez. Okay. Um, Muhammad Ali. Um, and... I was also tempted to say Roy Jones, but, I mean, there's so many. I don't want to say my favourites because, yeah... I mean, I'm just trying to think of the skills, you know what I mean? Maybe Mayweather. But then I'm like, what kind of fight is it? You're going to make me analyse way too much. Depends on who I'm fighting, <laughs> of who I want in the ring, <laughs> you know? There's no, there's, like, the, the side you're fighting hasn't been announced yet. I know, yet, I'm so. OCD, so I'm like, okay, so I feel like I need a, I need a defensive boxer, I need an aggressive boxer, I need, like, a Mexican, so there, I've got those. Um, but, yeah, I would say that. What did we say? What was it, three? So you've gone Tyson... You've gone Chavez Senior, yeah. like in, in his senior. prime. Yeah, in his yes. Prime. Um, you went Muhammad Ali. Yeah, oh, Muhammad Ali. Yeah. You. Yeah. Oh me. Yeah. yeah. I did Mayweather. And Mayweather. Yeah. So that would be your kind of five in the ring. Mm-hmm. Now, if you were to take it to the streets, mm-hmm. so there's completely different rules. Mm-hmm. Obviously, for the purpose of this conversation, this is all hypothetical. Just so people don't jump on the bandwagon. Well, I know what. Muhammad Ali is still alive. What are you talking about? <laughs> so, who would you pick alongside yourself in in street combat, hypothetically? Okay, um, Conor McGregor. Okay. Um, that Khabib. Yeah. Um, see, no one's going to name a whole bunch of MMA fighters. <laughs> <laughs> um, Mike Tyson still. Yeah. Um. Canelo. Canelo? Yeah. You think Canelo would be more handy in a street fight than I in mean, the ring? I, I, I didn't think about him as being in the ring, to be honest, because I always think of the greats when I think about, you know, like, boxing. I don't think of current. Um, but, yeah, so I'm going to chuck Canelo in there. Um, I don't know. Maybe. Who else? 
Gotta think of a dirty fighter. He's fucking dirty. I mean, there's heaps of them. Maybe someone with, like, guts, like Gaddy, or maybe, you know, like, Arturio Gaddy. Yeah. Okay. Just so you know, when I did this with Fabio Wardley, he he chose, like, for his street team, he chose, like, Kimbo Slice. Mm, oh, okay, yeah. 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 He chose Alan Babbage. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> Shit. Alan Babbage in a street fight, you'd yeah. take him, wouldn't you? But he kind of, yeah, he was... Uh, and I think he chose, like... Um, he put Bruce Lee in there as well. Oh, yeah, nice. Oh, yeah, yeah. Thinking outside the square, see? I'm a little bit closed-minded. Okay, so that's, yeah, just just to, like, warm you in and kind of just get a little insight on fighters that you like. So, um, talk to me about, again, this is subjective to however you want to interpret this, but a fight that you'd like to see. It doesn't matter whether... They're not here anymore. They are here anymore. Whether it will happen, whether it won't happen, it doesn't have to involve you. Just from your perspective, a fight that you'd like to see. Well, I think a fight that I would have loved to see would have been Ali and, and um, Tyson in their prime. I think a fight that we need to see is Spence and um, Crawford. Like, yeah, we need that fight. But yeah, I'd say those two. Yeah. I'll probably write up there. And if I was to pick a... Or you to pick a winner from those two fights? I honestly can't pick the I can't pick um, the Muhammad Ali Tyson one. That's why I want to see it. And with the Crawford um, Spence one, I would be leaning towards Crawford. But they're both just so spiteful. They're both just like right up there. So it's another. These are just fights. The fights that I want to see are the fights that I want to see who's the best. Without because I don't know. You know, so I want to see them. So it's more to answer a question yes. in your head. Yeah, I think so. I think yeah. it's more to answer a question in my head. Yeah. Okay. If you weren't in this business, if you weren't in boxing, so not even just as a fighter, what do you think currently you'd be doing now? Um, I'd probably be teaching, hey, or just something with youth. Anything to help the youth um, be better, you know within themselves and just kind of um, building the, I think, mindset and mentality that you need to be successful. But I think it's important to start in youth and getting um, our children and adolescents to really, like, believe in themselves and believe things can happen. So, you know, even helping, helping like, any kind of, like, victims, like, youth victims, victims of child abuse and stuff like that, like, that's really my passion. So I think I'll definitely be doing something like that. Do you ever think about that? Like, if you wasn't in the situation, because your kind of turnaround in boxing has happened over the last couple of years. Yeah. So do you ever think about kind of if things hadn't kind of panned out the way they are, that possibly what you'd be doing, do you think that? Yeah, I mean, obviously, if if I didn't become as successful as I am in boxing, then I would probably still be teaching. I'd be back in Australia and teaching in between my boxing, like what I was doing when I first started my career. I do love um, love teaching. It's a passion for me. Um, But realistically, like boxings you've only got a limited amount of time with boxing and um as much as I love teaching and it is a passion for me I mean I hate to say money's the thing but you know to give up like you know how much you get paid to teach to be doing what I'm doing in boxing and and being able to also inspire not just my you know say if I have you know five classes of 30 or something you know what I mean like say it's like you know 150 kids or like a school where now I can actually inspire like the greater public you know that same message and that same kind of stuff that I tr- that I try and teach and push on and, and want people to believe in. Um, I can do it on a bigger picture now, and the bigger my name gets, the bigger my platform gets, the more I'm able to send that message. You know, which I think is really important um, for me. It's it's super important um, because it's something I'm I really am strongly firm believer in. And um, yeah, so for me, it's just like now I I originally started teaching so I could inspire the the, the kids and also. Um, with like youth because I know I had trouble I really troubled youth and I just feel like you know there's times when I really gave up on myself and I think like if I can get them young and let them and like resonate with them a little bit and be able to teach these kids hey if you actually have the right mindset and don't give up on yourself or you try anything's really possible because I've fucking done it do you know what I mean so like I've got a second chance at life and look at me I'm killing it you know what I mean like if I, I could have gone two ways <laughs> you know it'd be very different like I'd be like I don't even think I'd be even here you know so I think um the reason I started teaching was to get in to get the kids at 
at that age that I was at, that really influential kind of really age where, you know, you're getting really, um, I don't know what word is, um, so it's influenced, you know, by whatever and having a good person there to be able to kind of send good messages and keep you on the right kind of path, but not in a sense of like a, I'm not that kind of teacher that's like you can't resonate with. I'm not that kind of teacher. So it's, it's like it's all about discipline and like this is what you have to do, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's about kind of um, building those relationships and um, teaching and, and getting the kids to really believe in themselves, I think. And and now that I'm able – that's why I started teaching. But now I'm kind of – I feel like I'm, I am I can do that on a greater scale now, you know. Um, obviously with children and with adolescent, and that's a big place in my heart. But even with adults, like because even when you're 30 – or 40, it's not too late to change your life. And you could be in the fucking dumps and in the gutter, but at 40 and you can change your whole fucking life. You just got to do it, you know. Um, and I think it's really important for me to push that message. And um, I'm all about no quit, as you know. In the boxing ring, I don't quit. And I'm like, I don't quit nothing. Like, you know, and I, no matter what I do, no matter how hard it gets. And I think it's really important to have that kind of mindset. Um, when things are really fucking hard, don't quit on yourself. Don't give up on yourself. So, yeah, I mean, I'd like to do that in a bigger scale. And I'm rambling a lot here, but when I get on a bigger platform, obviously the more platform I have, the more name I have, it's connected with that message that I have. And um, hopefully I can help a lot of people and inspire a lot of people. You know, guys, girls, kids, whatever. No, don't apologise. No, like, no. I don't get what I'm saying, but it's no, kind of scattering everywhere. Right. <laughs> I'm sure when you listen to it back, it all makes sense. Maybe not to us, but yeah. maybe to you. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I'm only joking. Do you remember... Um, outside of the ring, the first ever kind of confrontation or argument you ever got into that was kind of what you'd register as serious whenever that was when you were growing up. Do you remember that? Not really. I mean, like with my parents arguing because I was a little fucking cunt, excuse my language, but like, I don't know, like... There must have been a point, like, when you were when you were growing up, that there was some kind of serious, whether it was an altercation, argument, whatever it was, that kind of stood out as... I think everyone has one of them. Do you, you don't recall? Not like a confrontation, not really, um, if I'm honest. Was it a fight? I mean, I've had fights. I've had plenty of street fights, but how young are we talking? Like, I mean, I've gotten heaps of fights when I was like 16, so I can tell you plenty yeah, but No, no, no. The first... <laughs> okay. But if you're talking about just like a confrontation, I don't know what no, you mean. Okay, like, your first... Do you want okay. me to tell you a fucking bar it, fight? It, like, it, could be a, it can be a fight. It can be a confrontation. Whatever ah, you, okay. you perceive that. The first serious one that you think you had. I want to know about these fucking bar fights I now. Know, no, I had more fights, not just bar fights, but I mean fights. Obviously, I wasn't in a bar when I was like 14, 15, but I had fights. Um, fuck, I mean, where do I... There's heaps. Like, fucking... Pick one that stands out then. It hasn't got to be your first one. Pick one that stands okay. out. This is actually quite interesting All now. right, I dropped an ex-boyfriend because he stalked me for like three years when I was 16. I, was, I think I was 16. Um, and I went out with this guy... And um, he was like, a, I broke up with him for six months and he was just a Fruit Loop. Like he was like five years older than me as well. And um, he would just fucking, he lived across the road. It was just a fucking mess. And he would just harass me all the time. And um, I was training back then, like doing Muay Thai and kickboxing and stuff. So I've always been training, you know, as a, a, you know I did martial arts since I was five. So I'd always been training. And, um, and yeah, I was walking down the street with a guy when I was doing my mechanics apprenticeship. And we're walking down the street and I seen my ex-boyfriend and he's come up and he was like yelling out at me earlier and I went up to him, I grabbed him by the shirt and I pushed him. I'm like, you know, why, why do you have to be such a fuckwit for, right? And then I went to hit him and I missed and I was like, oh, fuck, that was embarrassing. Anyways, he kept going. Then I was like, I was like, oh, I'm going to go back um, back home and I went to home to get my brothers. And so I went home with this guy from TAFE and to get my brothers and go, oi, um, okay, I like Justin, my brother. I'm like, I just hit so-and-so. I don't want to drop no names, but I just hit so-and-so. Go, let's go get him. I was like, all right. So we go, we're going across the road again, right? And he's coming back with his shopping and he drops his shopping bag and we're crossing the road and he comes up to me and he goes, oh, nice hit, Ev, like this. And he puts his chin out and I just went bang and like dropped him in the middle of the fucking road, right? And then it was like, his, his grandpa came out and started yelling at my brother. My dad's going, shut up, you old cunt. Like, this all like fucking, it was just like a, a riot on the ground. Like, that was a pretty good, and I felt really good about that because I was like, fuck that guy, shut him up. You know what I mean? Um, so that was a good fight. I mean, what other fights? I mean, I can go all day. I've had heaps. <laughs> Girls, 
I've like had a girl that this was. This is weird though to listen, no disrespect to listen yeah. to you even talking about kind of, street you've fights. been in street fights, bar uh, fights, yeah, like I it's had, crazy, but. I had another guy, like an, another um, guy that was harassing me at a festival. I think I was like maybe 17 or I was 18 probably. No, I was younger. There was a concert. That's why I was like younger. There was a concert. And I think I was again like about 15, no, 16, maybe 17. And um, he's coming and he's harassing me and I pushed him. And then um, he wouldn't, like, fucking leave me alone. So then I hit him again. And I hit him. And then I went to pick up a stick. And I remember I hit him with a stick. And my friend's like, don't hit him with an object, Eb. He'll get in trouble for hitting him with an object. I'm like, fuck, stay fucking away from me. Like, you know, yeah, I fucking hit him right in the jaw, that one. I mean, I got into... I mean, I got some really good fucking... I got a really good pub fight, if you want to listen to that one. We'll listen to a pub fight. Come on, hit us with it. pub fight. This is a good story. In Australia, yes. In Australia. I can't get into too much details because, obviously, you know, I don't want to get in trouble. But I did have a pub fight where... um, I was sitting and I was with my friends. It was called like the Wallaby Bar. If the Australians are watching, so they'll know the Wallaby Bar. And we're sitting there and um, sitting on this chair and there's these big like Islander girls. So they're like big, you know, girls. There was like a group of five of them. And they're like being really loud as they do and like knocking me and stuff. And I'm like, fuck, man. I'm like, well, can you like, like move over a little bit? You keep like knocking me with um, when you're talking. And they're like, what? And I'm like, you keep knocking me. They're like, oh, oh, we keep elbowing you, oh, we keep knocking you, so they're giving me shit right, and I'm like, oh, and I'm not like a trouble starter, like I have to, it takes a lot, right, my friends, she's getting more worked up, she goes, Eb, you're going to let him do that, I'm like, oh, fuck him, you know, whatever, and they're like, kept going on, every time like their friends come over, oh, oh, don't fucking knock me, like this, and so I'm drinking, I have a couple of cigarettes, and drinking, and I'm just like, sitting there, my friend's like, come on, Eb, and I'm like, all right, you got my back, and she's like, yeah, I'm like, all right, so I'm like, taking my watch off, and I'm like, sitting there, and I go, you ready? And she goes, yeah, and we're on this lounge. And so I've gone like this and I've gone bang, like this with my, all my might, bang, this girl's face. Actually, as they've gone to get drinks. So they went to get drinks off these guys. These guys came to get, give them drinks. And um, then it was like this massive, like, I don't even know what happened. I was sitting down like, because I was sitting down like this. And they're like hammer hitting my, it felt like they were slapping my head. Like, and then I was there and I had my, my hand, just one hand. And... I couldn't feel anything. I couldn't do anything because I had one arm covering my face and I'm sitting down. And I put my finger and I felt her mouth. So I put my fingers in her mouth and I ripped her and I ripped her whole mouth open with a big fish hook. Blood everywhere. <laughs> it was nuts. And, um, yeah, then I remember I got up and I had, like, extensions and stuff and I had, like, teeth bite marks on me and everything and we, like, kind of ran, out, ran outside of the, um, of the club downstairs and, like, just bolted, man, and... It was crazy. I remember I went down to a restaurant downstairs with my hair all hanging out, blood all over my fucking hands and all bite marks in me. I remember like cleaning myself up and my friend's like, where are you? What did you do to that girl? The boyfriend comes down and goes, man, what did you do to her? She was sitting there like this with her hands behind and her mouth like this and it was all blood like pissing out of her mouth because I must have obviously ripped her, her in, a, in a gum open. But yeah, that was fun. I mean, there's more. I push kicked a girl, like elbowed girls. <laughs> like, but mind you, they all fucking started with me. That was another good story as well. I don't want to keep going. Oh, no, no, so no, listen, you've given us three good examples. But what we'll ask about that is, does it, now you're kind of... Getting hyped now, I'm going to fucking fight. <laughs> careful, careful, careful. I definitely don't want this smoke here. Yeah. Um, Ebony, does it register you now because kind of your your life has kind of a career direction and you're sitting here as a, as a world champion, does it register that this sort of stuff that you're talking to me isn't fucking normal? Does it register... Maybe for you, but just listening it, it's not really normal. It's maybe not semi-normal, but when you get picked on as well, you know, and, like, I can talk a lot of things. There's always people starting me. Like, there was some other big fights where, I mean, I got hit first, you know what I mean, or I got slapped first, and I just happened to be the better fighter because I trained, and so I, the one that is hurting them, you know what I mean? Like, and, like, like I said, like, boyfriend's harassing me. Like, I, you know, like, I probably wouldn't. Obviously, now that I'm a fighter, like an actual fighter, then I was just training and I was a teen and I was just a fucking, like, psycho. You know, I kind of would hit people if they hit me, but now, I pro- like, I don't know if I would, you know. Um, I want to protect the hands. <laughs> you know, I've already got a busted <laughs> hand. But I did, to be fair, I did, I never really threw many punches. There's those guys I threw punches. Every other fight I've been in was elbows and knees and, like, headlocks and shit. So it was a bit more smart, you know, kicks and that because, um, and mind you, I was doing Muay Thai and kickboxing, so it didn't really hurt my hands. But, yeah, I mean, semi-normal, but at the same time, like, a bit of self-defense. You know, I told cops once that, oh, it was self-defense when I got in trouble once <coughs> for a fight. But, yeah, I mean, what are you going to do, sit there and take it? I think, listen, I've got to be careful what I say here because I don't want to kind of 
like separate the whole kind of male female um, kind of thing. Who cares? Don't be so. No, but I'm just saying that for me, I kind of listen to what you're saying, and I think like my daughter's like like one, and I think like. Would I be happy if my daughter was sticking up for herself? Not just sticking up for herself, but getting into like these kind of Mm. level fights with Mm. before not not as a professional boxer. I'm on about kind of on the street or listen. I'm not saying the reasons are wrong at all. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying would I be happy with that? And it it kind of poses a question in my head. That's all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that fair for me to say that? Yeah, no, hundred percent. I mean, I don't think any any. I don't think any parent would be happy with what I went through and what I did in my teens, to be fair. Um, you know, so, yeah, I suppose it's not really normal. <laughs> but here I am, world champ. <laughs> so there's, yeah, there's silver lining in <laughs> yeah, some yeah, of that story. Yeah, it all prepared me. Yeah, it all prepared me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, I definitely didn't mind a car park fight, that's for sure. I'm like, yeah, let's go. Let's go. Yeah. A car park fight. It's mad. <laughs> it's mad. It's mad. But it's mad because, like I said to you, without me sounding... It's not like a sexist comment or anything. No, because yeah. you're talking as a woman, it's yeah. like it is. It's not something I'm no. used to hearing that women yeah. women are having car park fights. Yeah. And Well, I feel like a lot of women that um, start boxing, maybe a little bit, not so much now, but maybe around my age or a little bit younger, um, it was always like, oh, yeah, I just you know, went to boxer size class and I just felt like I really liked punching, so I thought I'd have a fight. And a lot of the amateur girls like, weren't actually into boxing. They just were like, you know, it's it's they're not... It's not like I want to hurt people. I've always wanted to hurt people. Do you know what I mean? And that's why the way I am. Like I've just always had to fight back that, that I suppose, that aggression where I just want to like really like fuck people up, you know. So I remember in the amateurs I had like one of the girls in the amateurs be like, Ebony, you know, it's not, you don't always have to like try and hurt people. I'm like, what the fuck are we doing then? Like, like if you're not trying to hurt me, like what are you trying to do? But then it's like amateurs are more point scoring, I suppose. But I was never an amateur boxer. I mean, as a... I never fought like an amateur and I never watched amateur boxing ever. And I still don't personally watch it much now, you know. Um, but, yeah, so I was just like, yeah, he's got to fucking knock him out. Like Mike Tyson, because <laughs> you, know, you know. Is that to do with your own personality? Because you said there that what's the point of kind of, if you're going to do it, do something, do it properly. But yeah. is that across the board with your whole life kind of, of full in rather than I'm, kind of, yeah? Oh, definitely. I'm all in. Yeah, I'm all in. Everything that I do. And um, it, it, it's not that it doesn't take me long to commit to something, but when I say I'm going to do something, it comes out of my mouth verbally. And I've, if I've told someone or even if I've said it, it's like I'm manifesting it, so it has, happens. And so I've got to do everything I can, whatever lengths, you know what I mean, I can to get there. Um, and no matter how much I have to sacrifice, you know, um, I'll do it. And, um, yeah, that's just how I am. But I don't say that about a lot of things. I'm not one of those people that say, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to do this. And, oh, you know, there's like, not dreamers, but people just like to say, I'm going to do a lot of things. And they never fucking do anything. I'm not like that. I have a couple of things that I say I'm going to do and I fucking do them. Yeah. Okay, look. Um, tell me about a time that you... I swear on you. <laughs> wow, you, this is the thing. This is my podcast. You can do what the fuck you want. I'm still like, yeah, I'm still making the rules for the podcast, but until I've established some no swearing rules, you're good, you're good, you're good. Uh, Tell me about a time that you felt like you you were fighting a losing battle. You can interpret that however you want. When did you feel like you were fighting a losing battle? Oh, God, these are some tough questions. Fighting a losing battle. We can go back to the normal shit I ask no, you every no, fucking week. Are you fighting, Ebony? Yeah, no, it takes me a while to think about this stuff because this, my life is so intense. My, my, my life is so dense. Like, it's so deep. There's so many things I've done. I've done probably, I've lived like five lifetimes in one. You know what I mean? Like, there's so much. So for me to decipher, to kind of think of what can I say, what, what kind of works with this question, um, there's probably many, but then... I've got to think of which one I really think is a standout or something. Like, nothing actually comes to my head, so I have to sit here and think, you know, like, okay, what's a losing battle? What was the question? Yeah, look, the question was, tell me uh, about a time you felt like you were losing, uh, you were fighting a losing battle. Fighting a losing battle? Maybe... You feel like I'm the teacher now. No, no, I'm just thinking. Maybe uh, I hate giving fucking attention to this cunt because I never fucking talk about it, and there's a reason. I had a coach um, towards the end of my amateur career, and for my first, my pro debut, which wasn't Arnold, who everyone's seen and everyone knows I talk about. But um, 
Yeah, he, um, when I, I remember when I left, that, I snapped my ankle and I had to leave that gym and he was manipulative, very manipulative. And he was like manipulating, trying to manipulate me to think that I was a problem. Do you know what I mean? Um, because he had to, he had, he got a new partner that didn't like him training women. And so, but he, instead of being like, um, what's the word? Like not being a coward and just saying, look, this is, I've got this problem. Yeah, it was like it was putting it back on me like I'm a problem. And I remember always arguing and going, what the fuck? You're saying all these things that are not true, like about me, like as in just being like a narcissist, you know what I mean? So I feel like whenever you're trying to talk to a narcissist, it's a losing battle. That's the only thing I can think of really. Like everything that's, nothing's a losing battle for me otherwise. Like it's, it might be hard, but it's not a losing battle. It's only a losing battle when you lose and I haven't lost anything that I've yeah, tried to do. Sure. Do you know what I mean? Everything I've done, I've, I've finished it. You know, I can say, yeah, halfway through my fucking master's degree, I fucking thought I'm never going to do this, but I did it. You know, me fighting to, you know, get through my my, my beginning of my pro professional career, I thought, fuck me, I'm, I'm spending fucking four and a half grand to fight. Like, I'm not even getting paid. I'm having to pay for so much. Like, my first five fights, my first five, my first three, four fights cost me like 12 and a half to like 14K. Do you know what I mean? Like, because I'm a woman in Australia, boxing's not big, not big for women. You know, and that was hard. It was like no promoters wanted to take on women. No promoters wanted to actually even, you know, put money into investing into a, a novice or a debut female fighter. And that wasn't even that long ago. But women's boxing was fucking nothing. And it's like no one even knows who you are. So we're not going to spend four and a half grand for opponents and to pay for all the accommodation and the flights and everything. So you have to pay for it, you know. And um, then I remember when I had to try and find a, a coach again, it was really hard for me to find a coach because no one wanted to train women. In Australia, like pros, like all the big name coaches in Australia were training men. They're gonna train a girl for fucking two grand. You know what I mean? They're not gonna make <coughs> any money from that. But look at me now. You know what I mean? And I battled through it, and so I went overseas. You know, and I built, and not not uh, not the UK. I went to the US first, and built over there, and um, yeah, and then the US, the UK, obviously. But I could have given up. I could have gone fuck. I don't have this money, or you know, um, so hard to get a fight, and the promoters want to put me on. You know, like it's, it could have given up, but I I didn't. So again, it's it's not really fighting a losing battle like because I won <laughs> you know no, I think you've answered that perfectly in your in your situation because I think like a lot of people listen with no disrespect you're not like 21 no. anymore oh, well you're not are you I'm 26 <laughs> you're not 21 anymore so and you've had to kind of do what you did and I think no but you've had yeah. to like and I've said this in loads of interviews that we've done you've had to do it all yourself yeah, you've I'm had to market yourself and you still are so I'm but, promoted but I'm but still fucking, fucking promoting but myself but it's fucking work <laughs> but it's worked for you yeah. it's not I mean listen you can inspire kind of a generation of female fighters but I think because it's your story, it works for you. Exactly. It's, it's not necessarily well, going to work for everyone else. Well, you know, I can't imagine a 21-year-old, a 22-year-old, I mean, even some 30-year-olds, being able to go out and have the, the, uh, the social intelligence, the security and the confidence to be able to network like I did to get where I had to do. Because it's a networking and it's putting yourself out there, it's taking a risk, it's spending money to go and put your face out there, it's taking up time, like, forget about fucking COVID and all that. Like, I was over in America spending money every week, like, not every weekend, big fights, you know, three, four grand a weekend just to go to America to be at the fight so my face could be seen there so I could get interviewed by, by Fight Hype by Ellie Sekback to be talked to the fight people there, do you know what I mean, to get my name out there. So then I signed with an American manager, you know, who got me fights in America. So, I mean, that was all part of it. Like, but, you know, you can't do that if you're, like, a shy non-worldly 21-year-old that's not confident, like, you know. Um, and that, the only reason I was able to do that is because, fuck, I've been through hell and back and I've met all walks of life and I'm very intelligent, you know, and socially intelligent. So people can't do what I do, you know. It, it won't, they don't know what I've done. I mean, I could, it would take fucking years to explain what I've actually really done and how I've got here. People just think, oh, God, here's my tits, fucking sign me. Yeah, but it's not like that at all. <laughs> like, that doesn't fucking work. Otherwise, there'd be so many women where I am because that's, there's been plenty of girls that, are, are, you know, you've probably tried to do that and got nowhere, you know, because it's not just about that. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know what I'm fucking talking about, but it's true. It's fucking so it's much right. Yeah, you have to have your own story and that's it. Be you. That's what that's my message. Be you, be real. You know, don't let no one tell you you can't and you just, just do your thing. You know, you can take bits. I've got a blueprint. Yeah, you can follow it, but you can't follow it exactly because it's not going to work for everyone. You know, if you're not confident in doing things, you're not going to work. If you can't, you know, if you don't have the banter or if you don't have whatever, you know, you can't be an ebony. You have to be yourself. But you can kind of take tips from it and go, okay, well, 
you know, she's online doing interviews or she's doing that on Twitter or she, you can take those little bits, you know, but you've got to make it your own. So, and I think I've opened up a big world and a different kind of footpath for a lot of people, which is great because before me, it was like, you have to be like Katie Taylor or you're not going to be successful. Even when I came on the scene, it was like, well, you need to be more like Katie Taylor. I'm like, okay, I'll just go win fucking two gold medals and fucking be Irish and have an Irish fan, fan base. Like, sure. Like, what the hell? You know, like, I'm not Katie Taylor. I'm never going to be Katie Taylor. So I've got to do my own path. You know what I mean? Like, it annoys me when people say that. You've got to be like, why don't you be like this person? I'm like, because I'm not fucking them. You know, I'm me. And being me has got me here. Like, at the beginning of my, me coming onto the UK scene, it was intense, man. I got so much hate. You know, I got a lot of love as well, obviously. But I did get a lot of hate and doubters. Um, and I always had to prove myself, which I don't really push to prove myself. I do it in the ring. I just keep being me. Didn't listen to anyone. Didn't listen to people telling me I can't do this and you shouldn't be doing that and you're bad for boxing, you're so bad for boxing, you're so bad for little girls looking up to you. And I'm like, not really. I think I'm pretty a fucking amazing role model, to be fair. You know, sorry I got fucking implants. Like, shit. Everyone has fake lips and implants now anyways. Like, good luck finding a role model that doesn't. Anyway. No, listen, sorry, I, listen no, because I since you come on the UK scene, I've kind of seen everything and like, you know, we, we, I interviewed you, what? maybe two and a half years ago, yeah. just be like in that start, that COVID situation. And I interviewed you and got in touch to do that because like I see all the noise on, yeah. on social media. So that works yeah. even from like my perspective to, to come to you for an interview. And I think since then, like I said to you, you, you can see the change. Yeah. You can see the change in women's boxing. And I, I, I don't want to say, oh, it's all me, but... Man, You're a part of it. You're a part, part of it. it. You're a part There's of it. There's definitely girls wearing it in lingerie now and like being okay to be pretty and, and doing these kind of things, you know what I mean? Like it was like so looked down upon before, you know, but I took all the bullets and I took all the hate and now it's like, oh, another, you know, way and no one even says anything. Although I still get a lot of hype around mine, but I mean, yeah. I know you touched on this earlier on, but I do want you to talk to me about if you were to single out a cause that you believed... Uh, is worth fighting for, not boxing related, but you meant mm. you talked about kind of something that you feel strongly about. I yeah. just wanted you to touch on that again. Um, look, for me, you know, something that's really close to my heart is obviously anything to do with youth and um, child abuse um, and also addiction. Um, I'm really strong about that. So these are two things where I think like children, they're going through um, child abuse or domestic violence and they're seeing this kind of stuff. Um, Whatever it may be, you know, um, I think it's important that these kids understand that there's you, you're you're a survivor. You can survive, and you can get outside of that, and you can grow up, and you can be okay. You know what I mean? It's it's don't don't let what things that happen to you when you're younger or or whatever you go through mold your future in a bad way. You know, I think it's really important to kind of show these this youth that that's a survival thing you know what I mean and that then you can grow from that and and um yeah like it's don't give up on yourself and same with addiction I think it's really important like there's people that are just feel like they just can't get out of it you know and um and it's hard and, and I've been there and it's hard and and you just know that it, it takes a long time right it's just I, I feel like you need to people need to see that it's possible I suppose, and I think this is something that I'm going to go deeper into when I finish boxing because, you know, I'm focusing on my boxing. But I think it's important um, with any kind of addiction, but, you know, if we're talking about drugs and alcohol particularly, um, you know, that you can, there's, it's any time, you can change your life at any time. You'll have, like, drug addicts or you'll have alcoholics at, like, you know, fucking 50, 60, whatever, but it's never too late and they just think it's too late. They think they can't change or they think that they can't or they might not have the support around them, but... I just want to really like support that and know that you actually can and you can, um, you just, I suppose you need the right people and the right guidance as well and belief in yourself, belief that you can fucking do it because the problem is so many people are like, I can't do it, I can't do it and then they fall off once and that's it, I can't do it, you know, so I think those two things are really important to me. I'm actually um, part of, um, there's a recovery um, recovery running up in Leeds and I'm going to be going up there hopefully next Saturday and doing a run with them and it's a really big cause, they do a lot for addictions. Um, people just having a group of people, like-minded people, and getting out and doing activities. And this is the kind of stuff I love to be part of um, because it's really close to my heart, you know, and it's a it's a really big subject for me. I think um, f from what I'm gauging from what you are just saying to me there and what we spoke about, obviously, off camera, that there are a lot of things you, you know, you you say that are close to you that yeah. I'm assuming that you've been through these, yeah. these things that you're talking about now, which are very kind of very serious things. But... 
right now isn't the the time or the no. place. Not even this interview as such, but just yeah. this point of your life yeah. to be talking about that kind of stuff. Exactly. I mean, you know, um, I, I feel like it's a time and a place. And I feel like, for me, my focus is becoming a world champion, a world champion, now becoming undisputed. Inspiring people from my hard work and from what I've already done, as in what they see from my graft, from all the things that I push through that they know of, um, I think that's inspiring enough to show that I'm breaking barriers, I'm breaking stereotypes and that I'm pushing and not letting people bring me down and drag me down. And I think at the moment with my boxing career, that's a really important message as well. And I think that that's, um, you know, not being judged and not being and, and um, just not letting people tell you what you can and can't do. I think it's so important. And I, I feel like um, for me, that's a, a good focus for me at the moment um, because all the negative stuff from my past, which is very negative and it's traumatic. And for me, it's not, look, don't get me wrong. I couldn't inspire a whole another load of people, but I'm right now. I don't want to bring myself back to that darkness. I don't want to bring myself back to that part or my family. You know what I mean? Because when I start talking about it and it's back, it affects my family, you know, like I speak to my parents already, you know, and, I just don't think it's the time and I don't think I need to have that oh, – I say it's negativity. It is positive because, I've, you know, I've, I've, I'm where I am now, but it still is negative and it still is traumatic and there's still is stuff I don't want to really think about. And I don't want to, like, every time I walk out to the ring or when I'm in the ring fucking, you know, Chris Lloyd going, oh, yeah, you know, when Ebony was this and, you know, she used to be this and now she's this and, oh, you know, or, like, every interview I do, it's like, tell me about this. Let's talk about this. I'm like, I don't want to fucking talk about it. You know, I'll talk about it when I have nothing else to fucking talk about. But right now I have my goals, my boxing, everything else that I'm doing, my teaching and everything else that I'm doing that is plenty enough. You know, I don't, you know, I don't need to um, oversaturate my story yet, you know. And um, when I do um, really go into it and write a book or whatever I do, I think it's going to be great, you know. And um, I think it's going to open a lot of eyes to a lot of people as well um, when they know the real backst- the real stories. But I just don't think it's something I need right now. I've got so many other things. Some people need to talk about these things. It's a selling point. Let's be honest. But also, it might help them kind okay. of okay. deal with life You're as right. well. Yes, yes. Sorry, I don't want to be fucking rude. I am this whole, like, don't be a victim, you know. But, you know, I'm, I'm a bit of a hard cunt. But it is, it is. It can help people, obviously, talking about it as well, you know. Um whatever the reason, but, you know, I just know that in boxing in particular, when you have a story, negative story, it's just such, it's just blown up so much. And whether or not it's been blown up, it's just, it's a selling thing and I just don't need it. You know what I mean? Um, I'm going to be focused on Ebony Bridges now, the blonde bomber and, and how much work I put in to be where I am, not where I've come to, to here, if that makes sense. So where you are today yes. as Ebony Sorry. Bridges, as, it's very hot here, um, as the blonde bomber, yes. what a, Ebony Bridges' everyday struggles today, as in now. Not in yep. the past, the ones you face every day now. Yeah. doesn't have to be to do with boxing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think, you know, I'm always having to, ah, you know, I'm so, like, I'm so driven and so determined that I'm so tunnel vision that it's very hard for me to have relationships, whether it's, like, really proper relationships, like, you know, men or whatever, but also friendships or think about other people I'm extremely selfish you know um although I love to help people which we know you know I'm always helping people and stuff but I am quite you know like it's I have to make the sacrifices like I said I just left my boyfriend of 10 years in Australia I left my family you know my family and I know people do this kind of thing all the time but for me I'm kind of like just straight out like savage like sorry but you're not part of my future goals like do you know what I mean like they're not like this I don't need to be I can't live my parents' life because they're sad that I'm leaving or I can't live their life. I can't live, like, my family's life. I've got to live my life, you know what I mean? Um, I think there's there's that as well and just trying to keep up with keeping those relationships, you know, because I'm not thinking about anyone else. Like, I'm thinking about my training, getting up, training and doing everything I have to do here so I don't connect with people. I don't message people and call my mom or anyone, you know. I'm not like that. So I think... I definitely, um, that kind of stuff is, is hard for me to maintain because if it was up to me, I just fucking wouldn't talk to anyone, you know? I just do my work. For me, work, social media is work. It's business. You know, I don't get on there for fucking fun. You know, it's business and it's work for me. Um, you know, so that doesn't include when I'm, like, engaging with people or talking to people there. That's It's, it's different to actually checking in with family and, like, friends and stuff like that because if I had a choice, I wouldn't fucking do it because it's just, I don't, I'm doing it for, for them, 
you know, and I, I don't, and you got to do that as a person. Like, you know, you can't just be all one, one-sided. So, but yeah, um, I think that's a struggle for me to keep up that, maintain that kind of um, being a good human in the sense of keeping relationships. Um, and I think, um, I mean, if we're talking about boxing, it's still just a struggle. Like, I mean, every day with boxing, you know, to still push out there and get what's right for me. And I think what I deserve and my value and my worth in boxing, you know, I feel like that's still a big struggle for me. Um, maybe not for fans, you know, and for other people, but, you know, within the boxing community, um, behind the scenes of boxing, it's fucking, you know, man, it's dark and it's dirty and it's fucked. And um, the boxing world is, is it's horrible. It's it's savage, you know what I mean? And I had points where, I mean, I remember in the in the Beck Connolly fight, the prep of that, and my friends will listen to this, know this, I was going to quit boxing. I was like, I'm going to just fucking smash her and that's it, I'm done. I'm quit, I'm going back home to Dural with my boyfriend, live on my acreage in my beautiful house and have a family because fuck boxing. I'm fucking sick of it, sick of boxing. You know, I've done that a few times and anyone that's a boxer will probably agree and they've probably gone through that many times because that's what boxing does. You're like, fuck this, fuck boxing sometimes, you know, and like even with the hate, you know, like I get a lot of hate. I'm pretty okay with it to be fair. But sometimes I'm just like, like fucking mate, like, you know what I mean? Like if they had any idea of actually what goes on, um, I think people would have a bit more, like just be, shut their fucking mouth a little bit, you know? Um, and yeah, I think what bothers me a lot is, yeah, I suppose trying to prove that I, how hard I work to get here. Cause it's just so many people that just think, oh, you know, like you're good looking or whatever, I mean, so they think. But, um, you know, so you just get whatever, you know, but I think that's just society in general. Um, if you're a woman and you're attractive, then you must, you know, you, you get everything easy, you know, but we know that's not true. I know that's not true. Um, but yeah, I feel like that's my, my battles, I suppose, fucking eating broccoli every fucking day, having to run every day is a fucking battle. I love bashing bitches and bashing, punching shit, but everything else that goes with it, you know, it's, it's, it's fucking, you know, nothing's easy. When was the last time you felt like you were fighting back tears? Um, fighting back tears. Um... I was about to say, um, when I had a really bad training session last week, like I was so upset. <laughs> I was, no, we're laughing about that, but I get really fucking angry at myself in training if I don't do something, you know what I mean? I get really fucking frustrated where I'm just like, fuck, man, like, because I'm so fucking hard on myself. Like if anyone watched my celebrity SAS, they will see how hard I was on myself. Like I'm so hard on myself. I'm just such a fucking perfectionist. So What's an emotional point where it's like kind of mentally like breaking you? Um, sometimes, like I said, like, you know, I can have like a bad spa and I'm like, that's it. My fucking day's ruined. And I'm like fucking so pissed off and like, I'll ruin, and it'll ruin my day and like even ruin Tibbs because he'll be like, I remember sometimes I have a spa and I'm like, I was so fucking shit. And he's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, that was so shit. He's like, oh, but you did this and I know, but I did this and this and this and this. And he's like, you know what? I was actually really happy with that. But now, because of your fucking attitude and your mood, you fucking ruined it for me. <laughs> I'm like, what? I'm just pointing out the facts. But I'm also such a realist sometimes and I know boxing that like I pick on myself and I just want to be perfect. So, I mean, that's these kind of things um, that I do battle with, you know. Um, yeah, I suppose. Um, holding back, so, so besides fucking training and having a shit session. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, fuck, when I left my, my, my partner in Australia, that was, that was hard, man. You know, he's perfect, like, well, perfect. Perfect for someone that's perfect for the old me, I think, you know, like, but you realise that... Um, you got to make, it was, it was really hard to leave someone that's on paper is so perfect and we love each other. I do, I love him dearly, but I loved him enough to know that he deserved better. You know, he deserved better. He deserved to have someone that wanted to be there because I fucking go home. I'm like, I don't want to be here. I hate it. Like I want to be back building. I want to be in, in the UK building my career, building my brand, like boxing, fighting, learning, you know? So it's not fair on someone you love for to be, to let them be with someone that's never there. And then when they are there, just doesn't want to be there. So like those kind of things. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's a, t a tough thing that not many people will ever go through, yeah. what, having to do that, to make that kind of yeah. choice of, like, it's almost a it's fantasy. Love. It's a fantasy question, is it? It's like... Yeah. Love or, your, or yeah, 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 your job or your, or your, your kind of your partner. Yeah, yeah. It, it is. It's like, it's like love or dreams. Love, like, you know, love, happy, family, beautiful fucking $13 million house, <laughs> like, beautiful, you know, perfect future setup, or your dreams, nowhere near as much money, like, fuck, who knows what's going to happen? You could fucking get, 
break something, get brain damage, and that's it. It's all over. Like, which one do you choose? It's like risk over fucking. It's like comfortability though over over risk. And I think I was just like, you know, I wasn't born for comfortability. I wasn't born for me for being mediocre. I was born for for being fucking great. I was born for greatness, and I uh, I just had to just fucking take that risk, you know, and. Who knows, maybe I'll just be single forever and never have kids. And I do really would love to have kids, obviously. But um, I just knew that if I was to stay, I'd be be one of those fucking old boxes. It was like, you know, I was good in my heyday and I could have done this and, you know, I could have done that. But, you know, I fucking my wife, you know, and my kids. So I, I chose them, you know, and that's what I hear that all the time. And that's fair because I don't have any kids and I'm not, I wasn't married. It was just a 10 year relationship. I think if you had kids, it would be a lot harder. But I didn't want to be that person. I didn't want to be that person telling in my old, talking about my heyday of what I could have been, you know. So that was, that would have just killed me. Um, so that's why I made the choice. Anyways, sorry, fucking tangents. Can I just ask you one more question about that? Just, did your partner, without, you can say yeah. as much as you want or not, did, did they understand? I'm not saying they agreed with it. Yeah. Did they understand yeah. your mentality of what you had to do yeah. in order for you to kind of, achieve those dreams that you have look we've been together for 10 years he's seen me go through my bodybuilding my degree my master's degree um my boxing my amateurs you know um breaking going through the beginning of my pros was like she was talking about another coach like he's seen me he's seen me make goals and smash them um and he knows from being by my side that when I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it, and I achieve everything, and I'm, I'm I push and drive to um, achieve everything. Like when I was doing my master's degree, I would never cried so much in my life. I would cry, I had anxiety all the time. That was the worst experience of my life, doing that and juggling three jobs and my training. You know what I mean? Like it was intense, but I pushed through it, persevered. And he would say to me, like, just fucking like, and my, everyone would say, just stop. Like it's not worth it. Like you you're, un, you're not. It's not healthy. You know the stress that you put yourself under. But it's also because I'm such a high achiever. Could have just got peas. And just passed and just done a little bit. But I'm not like that, you know. And he knows I'm like that. He's He's been watching for 10 years. And so he knew. He was just waiting for it, I think, you know, to be honest. It was like, well, to be honest, I didn't think you'd be here much longer. Like, he kind of just knew. And he was extremely supportive because he loves me. And um, and when you, like I said, you know, when you love each other and you're good friends, you just, you can't hold someone back. And, and he didn't want to do that. And he knew no matter what he said would keep me he knows what I'm like and nothing gets in the way of my goals and not even him unfortunately I think he's been used to being like second to to that and and I mean in a way I kind of need a partner that's going to be like that or they're part of it if you're part of it then you're with it with me but he wasn't part of it he didn't want to be part of it and he didn't come on a journey with me so it made us be living two separate lives supporting me still but it's just not you know it's not together so I think yeah um I was lucky in that sense. It wasn't. It wasn't difficult. He didn't make it difficult in that sense for me. And he's still supportive. Still talk to me every day. So I think it's it's mad listening to this because, like I said to you, it's not a like a, a choice that a lot of people have to go through, especially kind of, especially kind of where you are as well. It's not like you. I'm like, not twenty five. But yeah. no, but no, no. I meant I've got in like terms a of fertility years left, <laughs> fertile years left. Are you, are you putting an advert out? By the way? <laughs> I think I need to start a TV show. The bomber needs a husband. No, you know, like we got the one in. No, but the fact that you've literally come across the other side of the world yeah. um, to do this as well, and I think that you've had to make them choices. People don't go through that stuff. They've yeah. got like they've got choices to make in life. Do you yes. know what I mean? But it's not what you've done is actually pretty fucking extreme. It is. Yeah. yeah, no, definitely. You know what I mean? Like you got, you know, a lot of boxers that obviously just box in their home country and like they're great, but they've maybe never had to make, they don't have to leave their countries because they live in the UK where it's boxing's amazing or they live in the US where boxing's great. But you've got people like me who are Australian or you've got, you know, look like, you know, the Kazakhs or the Mexicans, well, Mexicans have great boxing as well, but, you know, Europeans or, or whatever that have to leave their homes to go to other countries to get to chase their boxing dreams because it's not big in their country. Um, and I'm not saying that, like, you know, the British or the, the Americans have it great and they don't realise how, how how lucky they have it to not be able to have to move away from their homes and to such a degree um, to make those sacrifices. But, I mean, it's some things that they don't maybe not realise that you got to do. Like, it is a big move. Mind you, some people just fucking do it to change their lives anyway. Like, some people just come and pack up and leave and go to leave their families and go to Australia, like, you know from all kinds of countries. So, I mean, it's, people do it, but yeah, it's, I did have to leave a lot and I had it pretty good at home, but I plan on having it even better over here. 
everything you've achieved so far, and there's so much more for you to achieve yeah. in boxing, we know that. Uh, but everything, not just in boxing, but just everything in your life that you've achieved, do you think that you've had to fight for everything that you've achieved and nothing's, nothing looks like it's been given to you on a plate? It looks like everything. Yeah. I'm not just talking about boxing. I mean, no, every not. aspect of your life. Yeah. It, does it feel like you've had to fight for that? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Like, even when I was a young, I was a mechanic, right? So I was a mechanic, fuck, how, 20 years ago, nearly 20, nearly 20 years ago, I started my apprenticeship. There was no women in mechanics 20 years ago, maybe 10, maybe five, 10 years ago, women were starting to cross over in trades, but that was even hard, you know, like being a girl, um, a, um, the only women in a male dominated industry like that. Um, when I was bodybuilding as well, like, you know, like working and everything that I did um, in my, my university degrees. I mean, I started university at a later age, like when I was like 25 or 25, 26. And, you know, so I had to, and I had my own you know, house and stuff. So it wasn't like, hey, mum and dad, look look after me while I go to uni and get in a piss and fucking have uni parties and like live in the uni life. It wasn't like that. It was like, okay, I got to get up. And I was training as well because I was either bodybuilding or I was boxing. And, um, you know, I had to get up and train, then go to uni all day and then get back and work all night till 3 a.m. And like, it was just like, I didn't have a day off for seven years. Literally, I worked three jobs, seven years, because I worked weekends, I worked weekdays, I worked three jobs, plus I was studying and I was doing my sport. Do you know what I mean? And mind you, that was my choice because like my mum said to me, you know, it's your choice. You know, you can give up the sport. You don't have to box or you don't have to um, make that much money or you don't have, but I, I wanted it all. So I put myself through hell to get it all, you know. Um, some people can't. Some people can't manage that. I mean, I fucking barely managed it. But I did it because I couldn't pick. I couldn't pick between money or between career or between um, my boxing, do you know what I mean? So, or my sport. So, yeah, nothing's ever been fucking easy, that's for sure. Where does your... Where, that's probably why I'm such a hustler, sorry. That's probably why I'm such a hustler. Everyone's like, oh, she's always hustling. I'm like, yeah, I'm a fucking hustler because I've always had to hustle. Fucking hustle hard. Like, you don't get nothing in life by sitting fucking still. And I tell you what, I definitely fucking didn't. And I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have. So, yeah, it's just, it's in me. Where, where does this fighting spirit, where does the Ebony Bridges fighting spirit come from? Where, where do you think it's kind of rooted and where does it, where does it ultimately come from? I think it comes from me having a second chance at life when I was younger. So going through what I went through in my teens um, and changing my life around and literally I would probably be dead. So I literally believe I got a second chance at life. There was a point in my life where it just was like, this is a fucking literally second chance of to, to live, to actually fucking live, to live my life and make something of myself. And um, when I decided that after everything I went through, it was like, well, I'm not going to waste another fucking minute because I've just wasted fucking years of my life being and doing and whatever I did, you know, so now I'm not going to waste a fucking second and I'm not going to just fucking, you know, um, I'm going to commit to whatever I do, you know, and I'm going to make something of myself and um, I'm going to use, it was almost like, it's an addiction, right, because I've got an addictive personality, but it was almost like I needed to keep busy and I needed to have goals and I needed to do those things to keep me off the street. Do you know what I mean? Like I needed these things to keep me so obsessed so that there was nothing else that I'd be thinking about. So I think in a way it was a bit of an escape, just like other things were an escape. I think I used, whether it was my studying or my boxing, or my definitely my bodybuilding, because that was really my bodybuilding that kind of was the first thing that I, I went into um, when, I, when I took the different path. So I think that for me was... Um, was really where it, where it all started and where I was like, you know, you can't fucking, this is a second chance, like you can't waste your life. You, you're made for so much more. You've literally got, you've literally got a second chance at your life and what are you going to do with it? You're not going to fucking throw it away again, you know? So I think that's where it comes from. And even though I've proven over and over again that I'm not wasting my fucking life and that, you know, I don't know, I don't have quit and like, you know, I still have to keep proving myself or keep pushing and keep, trying to be my best, you know, um, because I think that's an example that I want to set for the people around me, my friends around me, you know, you see my friends around me, anyone that's around me, I give that energy and I give that, this fucking TED Talks and that same inspo to all my friends, you know, you see Nick, you see, you know, like all the, all my friends, my family, my students, the kids, people in the fucking gym, you know, that's why Tibbs loves me there because I'm there and I'm, 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 and they said to me today, Jimmy said, you know what, Eb, you fucking set the bar, like you've set the bar for everyone. You know, and that's what I want to do. I want to show people like this is where it's at. 
you know, and um, so I've got to keep it up. <laughs> I can't go, okay, cool, like I'm, I'm good now. I'm just going to go fucking go back and just chill in my lounge. I just can't do it. So I think it's it's really about um, within myself continuing to do it but also having that effect on people around me because I just want to help people as well as myself. Do you feel like whether it's kind of daily or just in your life that you're fighting demons? Do you feel like that? Um, nah, not anymore, hey. Um, not really. Sometimes... Um, Maybe if I don't have a fight or I um, or if something really bad happens, I think um, it might I might get a little bit like fuck it kind of thing, but it doesn't last because because I just know how far I've come and I just know that when I just know the, how it works when when you're trying to achieve something right, it's a process. And it's human nature to want to quit when things get hard. It's human nature. You know, right at the end of the race is when you start pulling back because you're almost at the end. Or when you're almost at the end or almost succeeding, that's when you, that's when people slack off. And that's when the people that don't slack off, that's how they win, right? And with any, every time I set a goal, I always picture it to be like this. We always do. Because, yeah, it's going to be this and this is how it's going to work. And then it just goes like that right it's like it's fucked but it happens every time and I've been through it enough and 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 I push myself through so much breaking points and so much toughness and so many barriers um mentally and physically that now um I've conditioned myself that when I get hurt or if something bad happens I just think it's all right it's meant to happen it's all right we're gonna push through this and it's 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 gonna it's happened for a reason that's my thought because everything happens for a reason and it's happened for a reason. Now I'm just gonna have to keep pushing through it because on the other side is the fucking is is the gold. On the other side is is the is the win. Is on the other side is the happiness. Here it's it's a bit of a tough spot, but I know because I've done it so many times. I've pushed through that part that I know on the other side is the happiness. I think people that don't haven't done that, haven't pushed themselves mentally past barriers because they give up when it gets hard. So many people and they give up when it's too hard or they, I don't know, so they're lazy or, or whatever it may be. They've never been able to do that to push past to see this, what happens on the other side of that. I think people struggle because I've done it over and over again. It just gets it's easier and easier in a sense, you know, and I think physically the same. That's why we can push through physicality. Like, you know, South Main called the SAS and all these kind of things. And I have that kind of in me where I don't quit physically is because I've, push through pain, physical pain, and I've been okay and I've come out the other end. So I think it's just conditioning, mental conditioning, physical conditioning, where I never am fighting demons anymore. Um, those demons have been fought a long time ago, and uh, now I'm the fucking demon. Love that, <laughs> love that. No, I love that. Look, you, you, Sorry, oh, fuck it, I, I'm going deep. It's all right, it's fine, it's fine. Listen, you, you, you fight for yourself, you fight yeah. for... You know, your family, you fight for your fans, yes. you fight for, like, I'm going to say Australia, like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, well, whatever, your community, etc., etc. Et I fight for women, I fight for females who want to be feminine, I fight for girls who get judged, I fight for the people that get judged, I fight for fucking all of it. The question is, who yeah. fights for you? Who backs you? Who's in your corner? Who's fighting your kind of battles for, like, not for you, but you've got as part of kind of people that you can yeah. you can fall back on? As in, like, oh, obviously my family, you yeah. know, my family always back. They're going to be there and support me no matter what, you know. And I do have a small group of people and friends, you know, that, have, that always back me, you know. Like, obviously, Nicola and Susie. Um, I've got my sponsors, Steve, um, Kenny from Essex, ca um, Car Group, Steve from FCI. Like, I've got some really good sponsors here that are like family to me. I've got Phil um, back home, Phil Richards. He's been with me from the start as a sponsor, but he's like family. And these guys back me. I got, um, you know, my my agent, Alan, like there's a few people that are really close to me that I've, it's taken me a while to get to this because um, my, my, I've been burned so many times, especially in boxing, you know, like just. You'll probably get burned again at yeah, some point. Of course. Yeah, Boxing's full of fucking, no, mate. Let's no, say it, say it because I'll second it. <laughs> boxing is full of bullshitters and empty promises, fucking full of it, full of fake cunts. Full of fucking people that just lie, promise you the world, especially when you're starting out. Girls, especially when you're starting out, people promise you the fucking world and they're all fucking full of shit. And I don't trust anyone. And I fucking work. And when someone says they're going to do something for me, I say I fucking am on them because you can't say something to me not and not go through with it because I'm a woman of my word and I expect people to be people of their words. And if I smell bullshit, I fucking make your cut. Like, And there's plenty of people that are, that are like that. 
that I've done that to because I'm just like, you're, you know, like I can't have that people around me. I find it very hard to trust people, but I do have, like I said, a few group of people and, um, you know, you'll see my close friends on Twitter. You see these people as well. Like they're my, they're my guys and um, my girlfriend's here in boxing and I've got some friends back in Australia that no matter what, you know. Um, so, yeah, I'm lucky I have probably a circle of about five to seven people that I can really trust um, and know my story and know what I'm all about. Um so, yeah, and I wouldn't have been able to say that long ago. Just out of curiosity, I haven't promised you anything that I haven't done, no. have I? Cause no, we wouldn't I've... be here otherwise. No, no we wouldn't be here. Okay, just no. checking. No, you wouldn't I've be got here. Try... You fucking know because you'd be hassled. <laughs> I'm not going to drop names, but um, some people know because I'm on them. Um, just finally, uh, it's been really good. And to be honest with you, like I said, I've done so many interviews with you over the last sort of two or three years. And I think, you know, I think as much as you can predict, I said this to Fabio the other day, that you, you guys can almost predict the yes. questions that I'm going to ask and you know what's kind of coming. Yeah, you really so fucked us up this, with these questions. Like, with these, um... That's the whole fucking point of it, <laughs> Sheila. <laughs> right? yeah. um, finally, what, what would you say, um, what is the drive behind Ebony and Bridges? What would you say really ultimately drives you as a person? I just want to be the best I can be, honestly. I just want to be successful in anything that I choose to do, which I know I will be because I always am because I manifest that shit. When I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to be something, I make it happen. And I just, as long as I continue to do that, which I will because I put it out into the universe, I believe that, you know, that's my drive. I just, I just want to be great. I just want to be great at everything that I choose to do. Not everything, well, that'd be great. But I just, everything I want to, uh, anything I put my mind to, I want to be the best I can be at it. I might not be the best at it, but I'm going to fucking do a damn good job at it. And um, I and just having that impression on the world and society, um, being able to have that kind of, um, you know, message that, fuck, you really can achieve anything. I really believe you can achieve anything if you really put your mind to it. You find a way to do it, you know. Um, if it's meant to be for you, it will be. And um, you got to work really hard for it. And, yeah, hard work, dedication. Motherfuckers. Yeah. Sorry, I could just, like, say one fucking sentence for an answer, but it's just impossible. It's my ADHD, I suppose. That's why. That's why I wanted you on here. Um, Ebony Bridges, listen, I always appreciate your time and definitely appreciate your time because you've given quite a lot of it today. And I know you'd rather be, this is actually one of the hottest days of the year know, that we're doing this. And My kitten is my kitten. Oh, your it's kitten. Up in my bedroom oh. and I feel so sorry. You know, I get, I get separation anxiety with her, but yeah. Okay. Well, listen, like I said, appreciate your time. Thank you very much for coming on to this podcast. I really wanted to get you on because I knew that we've not done this kind of chat before. We've not done this kind of chat. And I think, like I said, when you're retired and you're done and after your book's out, obviously. (laughs) Plug that. um, (laughs) Plug that, it's not even fucking out, right? Got to tour that shit. Once that's out. But I'd like to kind of, maybe the follow-up to this is when kind of everything's said and done and you're kind of... uh, yeah, yeah, you're content yeah. with your boxing career. Yeah, 100%. I mean, most people know my story from like 18, 19, 20 from when I started bodybuilding because that's, you know, usually when I start like my story. Um, and, then, you know, everyone knows, you know, card girl, ring girl to fucking world champion, you know, and then soon it's going to be ring girl to undisputed. But then when I'm finished, it's going to be where I started, where I really started to undisputed and that's one hell of a fucking story. So stay tuned because, mate, you think you're inspired now? I'm telling you. I know it will change a lot of people's um, lives and I know I can inspire a lot more people, but it's not that time yet. Okay. Well, Ebony Bridges, thank you very much. No, that's not <laughs> I thought what a fucking way. accent. Right, nice try there. Nice try. <laughs> um, thank you very much. And like I said, yeah, we'll, uh, yeah, we'll get back to our yeah. kind of day-to-day yes. job uh, with, with fight news, yes. etc. when that's relevant. I get some fight news. <laughs> We're not talking about that one <laughs> <Sorry>. now. Right, <laughs> Ebony, you thank you very much. Sports Social Podcast Network.